do that again. Hello, my name's Adam. And I'm Kelvin. And this is One for the Books. And today we're going to be talking about the Habsburg dynasty. So, when we kind of... I, I was watching a video, and then I'd seen the Habsburgs, and I was like, Hey Adam, this kind of looks like something we should talk about. Because it's very kind of Game of Thrones-esque where it, it, it's this big dynasty family there's a lot of incest there's power there's betrayal there's yeah well, more incest and, <laughs> and there's a lot of incest yeah so there's incest and there's um as you said betrayal and two like kingdoms kind of fighting each other the whole time um and this family name ends up being like at the center of european politics for the like i don't know how long. well they they they're definitely in power for five centuries and that's just yeah. like but they're around for about five, five more centuries, as well, like on either side of that, which yeah. is insane. So, um, the, the, their main kind of power was they were the, they one of them, one of the Habsburg family was in the chair of the Holy Roman Emperor, um, from about fourteen forty the whole way up until the early eighteen hundreds. So you have a good four hundred years there of power, um. But we could, they date back all the way up as far as nine hundreds. But they. What kind of land, what lands did they take? So it would be so they always held like the Holy Roman Empire. They always had it say for that period of time for five centuries, but they also sent like their daughters to be married into other families and their sons be married into families. And they took land like Austria-Hungary was a big. That's where they kind of they started off. Then Croatia, Portugal, Spain, Italy, and then they would also hold power in Brazil and Mexico. So again, as I said to you earlier. It's like they were the first empire where the sun never sets as they have these lands in Brazil, but they also have these power. Obviously, it's not the same. Even in Europe, they weren't all friends with each other. They'd still be rivals with yeah. each other. So the Habsburgs be, didn't be cousins. They'd be cousins. They'd be cousins went against each Killing other. Killing cousins. Yeah. So that, that family dates back. Now, this is where things go a bit awry because throughout history, we find different sources and all these different sources say different things. The closer you are to the time, better those sources end up to be but when you have when you're studying things that happened a thousand years ago sources and dates and people can get um, a bit mixed up especially when a lot of them have the same names when you come yeah. across <laughs> hundreds of phillips and charles's was that charles first charles the second so um basically uh the first time we see the habsburg name is their castle in switzerland um and it's built kind of early ten, sorry late 10th century 900 985 AD-ish and I found that it was built by Radbot of Klatigau whereas Kelvin saw I, something different I saw it was Guntram the Rich now Guntram the Rich is an interesting fellow where he had a lot of he was given a lot of land northern Switzerland kind of and surrounding areas but then a lot of land was taken off him but he kind of made his homestead in this house Habsburg mm. type of thing yeah. so maybe it was Radbot who kind of made it and then Guntram kind of renovated it or whatever it was but as I was reading it I was like Guntram the Rich that is a really cool name having an, having an adjective after your name having an adjective after your name <laughs> should be a thing that isn't so kind of weirded out nowadays medieval you wanted it yeah, to yeah I wanted modern. to modernise okay so I was thinking I was like what would your name be if you were to have an adjective after your name okay. now Um, Adam the something Adam the something hungry Hungry? It's, it's a country, but it's also very true to life. Okay, so Adam, Adam the, hungry. the Hungry. Yeah. Like, would you be like Adam the Gluttonous back then? Oh, yeah. Very, like, midi- I, don't, I think Gluttonous is so much worse than Hungry, though. It does It does have a lot of okay. negative connotations what, towards it. what would yours be? I think I would, 
I would want to be like Calvin the Cool or like Calvin the Crazy, something funky. Cal- yeah, okay. But obviously, it, they didn't say cool back then. Calvin the Jester, maybe. Or Calvin something. the Jester, Calvin yeah. the Wise, Calvin the Unwise. The, yeah, and Calvin the Sporadic. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Anyway, I, that's we can move. On. Let me know what you would pick. We'll probably do something <laughs> on in, Instagram. Instagram or comment something. Box. This could comment. be the, this could be the intro. Go follow us. One for the books for podcast. The books podcast. Um, Plug. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts if they let us. If they hopefully, let us, hopefully, fingers crossed, and our YouTube. So, um, yeah. So the Habsburg rule goes all the way, as you said, from like early 10th century, and that f- carries on all the way till. The end of the end of World War One. Okay, now obviously, it's not they're not in power the whole time because we probably would have heard about that. But this dynasty and this legacy runs the whole way through. Um, basically, eleventh of November in nineteen eighteen was it? Was when World War Two, World War One ended, and Emperor Charles the First recognizes Austria's right to rule its own state affairs, and kind of renounces his his right to rule. Uh, and this sees the Habsburg not collapse because no. it's already quite and small. they they didn't actually they, they were like the hungry side of it and they didn't accept to the Austrian so yeah. officially they were never put out of power yeah but they were they didn't have much yeah exactly uh, and much like I think there's only seven kind of kingdoms now that still have a king and queen and all of them don't have any rulers don't have any uh, kind of stay in their their state affairs this UK and Spain and Holland and none of those countries have rulers that rule they just have rulers that are like a figurehead yeah figurehead of the country so as you said Habsburg is absolutely massive if you looked at um, other podcasts YouTube videos films and um, books and stuff this goes uh, it's a it's impossible to get a thousand years done in 20 minutes so what me and Calvin did was we took a, a figure from the Habsburg family each and we kind of talked about them. So, Kelvin, who did you take? I picked Maria Theresa. Maria Theresa, right, okay. So, and Tell Adam, who did you pick? His name was Charles II of Spain, King Carlos. But let's talk about so, Maria Theresa first. Maria first, okay. So, the reason why I kind of saw Maria as being this kind of most important figure in the Habsburgs, which is my opinion, is that uh, she is the mother of Marie Antoinette, which is, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> Uh, she also had 16 kids so if th- this will kind of give you a little taste of how intermarrying worked in medieval Europe and kind of later early modern Europe whereas a lot of people had a lot of kids and they would marry them off to different empires and that's how they got more power and this is prevalent with the Habsburgs as that was their main thing they did and they that's how they branched out to these different areas but she also had 56 grandchildren 56 grandkids. 56 grandkids is a lot of grandkids. Well, when you have how many kids? 16 children. 16 children, 56 grandchildren. That's a lot of, that's a lot of kids to look after. That's, yeah, a, that's a strange massive. Christmas. Yeah, you're looking at at least, what, four? No, 16 by four. Is that's a lot of presents to buy. 45. Uh, yeah, at, at least four to five kids each, which is crazy. That's horrendous <laughs> maths. I'm so sorry. We're a history podcast. We're not a maths podcast. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, okay. so... Sh- we don't, Marie, have, we don't have time to edit that no. out, so we're just going, yeah, okay. Maria Theresa. Uh, now, she was never... Throughout early modern Europe, it, it was a very patriarchal society. There was no... Yeah, it was the patriarchy. There was no women no. Ru- ruling at the time. And this is why I think she's she's such a trailblazer. Yeah, whereas five years before she was born, her father uh, she called... Uh, he, he put this bill forward called 
pragmatic sanction. He was running. Around, he was like running around Europe, basically like sign that, sign this. Yeah. So no one would. He couldn't. He he didn't have a son. Uh, he tried a good bit. <laughs> a lot of times. Tried a lot of times, and uh, no sons popped out. So he was like, "I'm gonna lose my grip on this huge empire that I've gained if I do not have a son." So just in case, I'm gonna put this pragmatic sanction forward. And uh, this was a big thing for Europe, as Europe. It was very patriarchal and we see that kings, kings, kings throughout the whole of time and no woman had ever been in charge of the Holy Roman Empire, mm. ever. So what happens when the father dies then? So the father dies, bear in mind, she was never trained to be this leader. She was never... It's very middle 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 ages, though the men are trained to fight and be a nobleman when the women are trained to train the young and... Like embroider and knit and play music and stuff. Yeah. So she, um, she she's never she's never taught diplomacy, and uh, I think she's only twenty three then when her father yeah. dies and she's, she's kind of thrown into the middle of this. She's she took the Austrian throne at the age of twenty three. But the f- not funny thing, but the kind of quirky thing about it is when she took the throne two months after she took the throne, people were like, hmm, she has no diplomatic powers. She has a lot of rich land. Why do we not just take it? So then she went into her first war two months after she took the throne. She ended up winning that war because they had a claim on her illegitimate land as she was a female ruler mm. and they didn't think. So his son, his like uh, uncle's sons would have their own claim on this yeah. land. But she fought them off and she got the power of England. She uh, called England over to help her and stuff like that. So... She kind of got these ties around. She gets some help there from her, her husband as well, which I find really interesting. She marries Fran, Stefan, who wasn't the father's choice because she got married. Obviously, you know, she's well younger than 20 when she gets married at this stage, and um, which was the kind of the rite of passage back then to get married off young to another noble family's child, which would end up usually being like a cousin or, or something like that. But here, um, she marries Franz Stefan for love rather than money, or rather for power, which is a rare thing back then. Um, and it's surprising that the the father is so al- al- alone of this, Charles the Sixth, the the Holy Roman Emperor at the time. But you know, uh, I suppose the the reasons are known. But she she he allows he allows that to happen, and they get married happily ever after. So she, it's kind of under his army as well that she's kind of being protected. But um, yeah. But I think overlooking that, because she is a very, she does have a couple more wars in between, but I don't, I didn't think that was the most important thing while researching her. I found out that her reforms or tra- her time in charge was kind of the most important thing, where she had three big reforms that would kind of influence Europe for the years to come. Uh, the first one would be that she would start up compulsory education. So... It wasn't a big thing in Europe at the time where you had to go to school or anything, but she she thought more of it, not in a good her own good heart, that she felt like if her society was better educated, she would have more money. Secondly, there was a high mortality rate in childbirth. So, obviously, with everyone having kids, she had 16 of her own and then 56 grandkids. So, she was like, how do I, how do I make this safer? How do I do that? So, mm-hmm. she, was, she started the first maternity hospital. Brilliant. Which is great. And she made it so that any midwives that worked at these hospitals would have to be qualified. Whereas in early medieval or early early modern Europe, 
Could just be anybody that could had, be anybody. Anybody that felt felt like they could. If you if you thought you could deliver a baby, you'd go deliver that baby. It wouldn't be anything. You wouldn't have to show yeah. anything. So yeah, these were the big kind of things that she introduced. And in the next hundred years or so, other countries around Europe would take from her and would learn and would start to implement the very similar things. Class. But yeah. I just felt that was very interesting that she kind of set the way for this reform in Europe to mm. become sanitary to become like more interested in education and that's it yeah daddy yeah um great that's yeah. all that's all i have on her she was a very <laughs> she, she was she was a good lady she actually wasn't a very good lady she was anti-semitic Sem- uh, and it was, it, there's a whole thing around that that um we could probably get into another time but um yeah great okay so there's maria maria yeah. Teresa. so mad on education marie antoinette's ma uh, <laughs> that, that's a, that's on her CV <laughs> that's on her CV Marie Antoinette or Marie Therese both okay so um, my character there was Philip IV sorry not Philip IV that's his dad Charles II um, of Spain he becomes king of Spain uh, his parents are Philip um, the Fourth and Mariana of Austria um, who are actually uncle and niece now you've, you might have heard of this thing called the Habsburg Jaw and if you have this is why um now, I know that I think Charles II is somehow related to Mary Theresa. Um, but, well, we can. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? If you, with, the, with siblings, the family tree is. It, uh, out there. But Philip and Mariana, uncle and niece, come together. They marry and they have um, Charles II. So Charles is the eldest son. Happy out there. Delighted, John. They have a, they have a child to take over the thing. So. Um, important that when we talk about Charles II this is Charles II of Spain not of England so he is the king of Spain sorry he's born in 1661 and he has this thing called the Habsburg jaw or the Habsburg chin and basically this is an underbite Um, hopefully you can get a picture you can put yeah, it somewhere yeah. here Um, the chin is it uh, has an underbite and it Charles was so bad that his front teeth wouldn't actually touch his bottom Um, now this you know many people have this type of chin nowadays and this, and underbites and of course that has nothing to do with anything but because Charles II became from the Habsburg he was a hundred times more likely to have this the, these deformities because he was a product of inbreeding and inbreeding is a massive thing that, that goes through all of um the Habsburg family at some stage or another now it skips certain generations and it skips a lot of the people and they're lucky but King Carlos or King Charles, as we call him, is um really kind of gets it in the neck in terms of how bad he has it. So, and to put this into context, his ma, his mom and dad were were niece and uncle, and seven of his eight great grandparents were all Habsburgs. They all had the Habsburg second name. Yeah. So not great. Um, his mother was also his first cousin. Well, that's yeah. I don't know how that works mm-hmm. out. I couldn't tell you, but. I, I promise it's true. Um, so this man could not stand unaided. He needed help the whole time. And due to this, he was impotent as well. Um, his legs and his arms, like there was always, there, you know, it was completely deformed in, in, in his birth and that never worked. He died at 39. Uh, spoiler. But yeah, basically, he, like priests were called to the, to the castle when he was a child and then when he got older to try and exercise him. But Again, nothing happened because, as you and know, from from his birth, they kind of they were just waiting for his death. Like yeah. any any higher ups were just like, 
this is not going to be the man who rules our empire. Yeah, well, he did for a while, which is was surprising in the end. So they tried to exercise him, but obviously it wasn't the devil; it was genetics. Um, his he actually ended up getting the name Carlos to bewitched, which I know that you found really tough. Yeah, I just felt like you have these people like Gun- like Guns from the Rich, and then like Frederick Vlad the Wise, being, Vlad the Impaler, and then you're just you're just Carlos the, the bewitched. bewitched. Yeah, exactly. That's just bad luck. Uh, they did an autopsy after he died and they said that his organs were so deformed were like ridiculously reformed that they thought it was actually witchcraft at the time it wasn't like a thing it was only the lungs were a little bit out of shape or something it was complete it didn't look like the inside (laughs) by the age of 20 he was said to be bald senile and just crazy like he was just crazy he was he was going mentally insane as well yeah, I think so, Philip, Philip, there's a story about Philip as well that he used to like, he, he used to decorate his 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 room with like these paintings. I'm not sure the artists, but it was all like people eating each other and this mad stuff that like wasn't of its time at all. Um, This is kind of like on the brink of the enlightenment, I think. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah, he does. And when that happens, then France kind of comes in and takes over uh, Spain for a short while. And this... Like I think his granddad is Maximilian, or his great granddad is Maximilian, yeah. and this and Maximilian. His great great grandfather is Maximilian the first. Oh, the first, and what Maximilian wants to do is like spread this like Habsburg dynasty more than it has ever been been before, which is probably why they inter. Into yeah, like I think he 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 was the one who kind of just made sure that he stayed in the family. His kids would marry his own cousins yeah, and stuff exactly. like that. So um then France took over but whoever I'm not sure who it was whoever was leader of France at the time was also Habsburg so this continued deformity dynasty would continue on um, the the Habsburg had a the Austrian Habsburg family had this motto it said let others wage war you fortunate Austria marry which is fairly fair which I suppose just makes sense because that's all they did in, in Austria in the Habsburg and in Spain and France and stuff they waged wars, but they also just married each other, and that's kind of reflective of the, which was ultimately their downfall. After all, as yeah. I think the change in opinion of incest, it kind of as time grew on in Europe, it wasn't seen as as cool. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I think I think that's like uh, look, the Habsburg is such a massive, massive topic. But I think too, yeah, we looked at there Marie Maria Theresa, yeah, who. Um, paves the way for all female mon- monarchs and female representatives of the crown throughout the whole world, basically. Um, but yeah, I think it was Europe. fair to see the high of the Habsburgs to the low of the Habsburgs, where I think we could talk about dozens of other Habsburgs throughout history. Charles V as a massive emperor, like the Holy Roman Empire is a whole other thing, but which the Habsburg had a big role in. But I think to put this into perspective, let think back in the Middle Ages, Dark Ages, Black Plague, yeah, that's where you had the Habsburgs. Yeah, but so think of Martin Luther and the Reformation. Yeah. You also had the Habsburgs. Yeah. Go back in the Middle and the Renaissance. You also had the Habsburgs. Think about the Industrial Revolution. You have, you the, have Habsburgs. the Habsburgs all the way up until World War One. So the Habsburg takes over all of early, early, early European. Any early dynasty Europe. that can survive that long is kind of definitely has to be one for the books, in my opinion. <laughs> We're always going to try and put the title <laughs> of the podcast in somewhere. I have to. Yeah. It's like in a movie when someone says the title of the movie yeah, and then super, they're like ah yeah, okay. yeah fair enough 
Right, uh, I think that's us. I think that's it. 20- I'd love to keep talking, but I don't think we're going to get anywhere with it. No, so. I, I think this is a nice little bite-sized episode. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed. Uh, and look, we've been absolutely blown away. Thank you so much for all the support. You give it on the Instagram and the YouTube, YouTube and the Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, all that. Thank yeah. you so much. If we are on iTunes or we Apple Podcasts, be. please rate us out of five if you can, preferably five. Um, because that helps more people see it but any shares any likes um, etc goes a long way and thank you so much for all your support so far uh, I'm Adam I'm Calvin and this has been one for the books thank you very much